Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show. We cover soccer in Atlanta, state of Georgia, the Southeast, the United States, and beyond. That's what we do on AST every single week here on 92.9 The Game. Make sure you're subscribed to Off the Woodwork. That's where you can get all of our soccer content on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll have more content coming as we get ready for the MLS Cup playoffs. Decision day was Saturday. Atlanta United drew 2-2 on the road against the Supporters' Shield winners, FC Cincinnati. That means they will be in a best of three against the Columbus Crew, which starts next Wednesday, November 1st, on the road. That's a 7.30 kickoff. Five Stripes Countdown will start at 7 o'clock. We've got Atlanta Soccer tonight live from Columbus next Tuesday to get you ready for everything. Game two in the series is the following Tuesday, November 7th. That'll be a 7 o'clock kick at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yes, it's a Tuesday. There aren't many games played on Tuesdays over the years, but there have been a few. It's the playoffs. It means you need to go ahead and start getting your schedule ready to be there and make some noise to support this team. This was a a really interesting game in Cincinnati, one that we didn't really know what to expect going into it, honestly, because Atlanta was going to finish 5th, 6th, or 7th. Cincinnati was locked into the number one spot. There were a few different opponents Atlanta could face, and that shifted as the, the day went on. But the game ended up far more interesting than I expected, not just because of the red card to Tiago Almada, which we will talk about, and we'll talk about the implications of that here in in just a minute. Let's start AST tonight with hearing from Gonzalo Pineda following the 2-2 draw in Cincinnati. The question from Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution was, did the performance live up to his intended goal of demonstrating to the rest of the Eastern Conference that Atlanta United was not going to be an easy out on the road. Here's Gonzalo Pineda after the 2-2 draw in Cincinnati. Not on the result. This is it's never the goal of this franchise to tie, especially away. Uh, but uh, the performance before the red card was very good to me. I think the performance was playoff caliber performance, dominating in possession, in total control. I wasn't happy, of course, with the two silly goals that we concede, but uh, the performance on the ball was inspiring. I think actually we should have had um, more goals uh, advantage, but uh, we didn't. And then we suffered at the end, um, but two different games. When we were 11-11, I think we were the better side. 
after that, they were more in, in possession, in control, the territorial dominance. But then what I highlight from my team is don't give up goals when they have the advantage, the numerical advantage, and, and we defend very well. So that's what I understand. We defend better the box when we are a man down than when we are 11 11. But it's part of the learning process. Encouraging, I think, if we put those two things together, the good football of the first half and then the good defending inside the box, I think we have uh, a good combination for players. One of the reasons for the performance was taking the lead twice in this game. Now, yes, they gave up that lead twice to a really strong team in Cincinnati, but you're going to learn some things from those goals that were conceded. Crosses to the back post, moments where you got a little lost and broken on the defensive side, and these are things that always have to be cleaned up. The attack was so good good though in this game and honestly it felt like there were more goals out there for Atlanta United especially in the first half here's Gonzalo on the first half performance specifically with the attack but also just some things to keep in mind as this team continues on in 2023 pretty much everything I think our build-up was very good we play out from the back very good then it's not just about playing out from the back but progressing the ball quickly enough to to have some momentum with uh, once we break, especially, for example, the first goal. If we take the first goal as an example, it was a great pass from Abraham in behind Jaku to Thiago. And then Thiago, with time and space, he starts to open up the play for Saba. And then we, we found that uh, that goal. But I think it's, uh, it's that uh, understanding of how to rotate in the middle that helped us to disrupt the Cincinnati's pressure. So I really like that. I like the fluidity when we start to play side to side. I really like when we start to play simple which was a topic for us, play simple one and two touches. We play Jaku, Jaku drops the ball for someone else, and then we switch the point of the attack, and we look very dangerous. We have wingers that have a lot of quality on the flanks with Shand and Saba. Then even Edwin comes in today, Derek didn't, but we have wingers with quality, so we need to disrupt more the opponent side to side and isolating them uh, 1v1 or 2v1s on the flanks. The Depth on the wing gives Atlanta some real weapons when you get into these matches in the playoffs because, look, we've been through this enough times now over the years. Playoff soccer is different. Playoff soccer at times comes down to individual moments and players making games. You have the players in Saba Lobjanice and in Shande Silva to start matches that can make the game theirs, especially Saba. Saba is just ridiculous with his first touch, his skill on the ball, the level of technique that this man has. He's able to do things that many in this league just frankly aren't. And he makes it look so simple that I think maybe at times you take it for granted because it doesn't look like he's even having to try all that hard. He's just that good. And when you get him and you get Sean De Silva going, and maybe the game comes down to one of those individual moments. These are guys who can make that happen. And when you have the options off the bench as well, Edwin Mosquera has made things happen for this team late in games. He's made things happen for this team when he has started. Edwin Mosquera coming off the bench who can play on the left or the right. Hopefully you get Tyler Wolf with his late game heroics as well. We'll see how he comes back from injury and if he's going to be able to go in this series. You know, you've missed Machope Chol. That's another winger that you've had this season. But you have Derek Etienne, who I thought had a couple of good performances at the end of the season. This is a team with depth on the wing, but this is a team in that starting lineup with Shande Silva, with Saba Lobjanica, game changers on the wing. And frankly, you're going to need those game changers on the wing in the Columbus series, in game one, on the road, without Tiago Almada in that one after his two yellow cards in Cincinnati. He'll miss that match. Now, before we get into Tiago and Columbus and, and what that is going to look like in leg one, let's hear from Yorgos Yakamakis. He had two goals on the day in Cincinnati. He was also asked about the idea coming in that you want to prove that you're a difficult team to beat on the road. Here's what your ghost told Doug Robertson after the match. I think we did. I think we did. To the point we we, we considered the, the red card, I think we destroyed them So until this point. We destroyed them. 
Um, we were way better. We created a lot more. We we had the control of the game. Uh, there was only one team in the field, and then we received the red card, and so the balance changed completely. We have to defend. Um, the important thing is that we reacted like that. We reacted in a good way, and uh, we didn't let them score again. Uh, with one man down, I mean, this is really important uh, because we like it or not, they were the champions, the champions, and uh, they were there because they were the best team. Mm -hmm. We have to face and we have to accept that. So, uh, coming into to this field, to the stadium, playing against uh, the first team in the league, the champions, uh, and make this this kind of game, uh, I think we we should be proud. We should take all the the, the positive things from this game and go into the playoffs and compete at the same time, at the same level. This is frankly an attack that no team in the Eastern Conference wants to see when your season is on the line. Big game players make plays. Yorgos Yakimakis has made plays all season long. Already talked about it with Saba, with Sean De Silva. These are guys who can make plays. Edwin Mosquera can make plays. Tiago Almada can make plays, although you will not have him for the 90 minutes plus possible penalties in game one in Columbus. Picked up a, a yellow card on a transition foul in the first half in Cincinnati. Joe Dickerson, no hesitation to show that yellow. You can justify that yellow. Uh, again, and we talked about it on the broadcast, was that yellow in the first half, was it fast? Yeah, it was quick. Um, did it feel a little out of context with the way the game was being called at that point? Maybe, but can you justify that card being shown? Yeah, you absolutely can. And, you know, the, the history between Dickerson and Almada does get into the back of your mind in those moments where that yellow card comes out really quick. Same with the yellow card on the kickout in the second half that ended up being Tiago second and sending him off, it's a yellow card. You know, can you get away in that moment if you're a referee with not showing the yellow and having the conversation because Almada was provoked by Yerson Mosquera, bumped him with his hip that was completely inconsequential. Almada reacted. The reaction gets the yellow card. Mosquera made an absolute meal of it, and, and that was way over the top, and uh, we always seem to kind of turn a blind eye to those things. Um, that's something that's got to get cleaned up. Almada got fined for not leaving the field in a timely manner. I don't know what the stop clock is supposed to be on that. But these are situations where I feel like the disciplinary committee and the league needs to, and if they don't want to do it publicly, that's fine. They need to have that conversation with a player like Mosquera about, hey, we, we saw what happened. We got you. You don't have to roll around and act like he really kicked you and did damage because he didn't. He, he kicked out out of frustration about getting bumped. It's a dumb yellow card to get, and that's essentially what Tiago Almada you know, did in, in this moment. He, he lost his head. He did something dumb. Gonzalo Pineda said it after the game. It's a mistake that you can't make. It's a mistake that young players make. It's a mistake that young, talented, I, I think generally attacking players Make out a frustration where these are guys who get bumped and hit and tripped and elbowed and all the little things that happen in a game to try to take a young, talented player out of the correct headspace. It worked. It worked. And it ended up seeing Almada get sent off in this. And it really hurts in your first playoff game to not have him on the road. However, and this doesn't justify the second yellow and the red card and, and it, this doesn't matter that it was Joe Dickerson who, who sent Tiago Almada off honestly again you can justify the two yellow cards were they both delivered quickly sure was the the red I think already in hand when he's going over to see what happens in that incident with Almada and Mosquera yes it's not a great look but there's nothing in it in terms of you, you can't you can't appeal it. You're not going to be able to really make much of a claim about it. There's no need to do any of that. It's two yellow cards. It's a red. It's what happens. The thing is, in this situation for Gonzalo Pineda, in some ways, it makes his tactics going into Columbus very unpredictable for Wilfred Nancy. 
And it's never something that you ask for or want in this situation to miss your most talented player in a playoff match. But in this one, you are probably going to be more defensive in Columbus anyway. You are going to have the ability now to pull a wild card out of your deck. How do you deal with missing Tiago Almada in Columbus? And there's plenty of time to figure out what this looks like. Do you add Edwin Mosquera in and move Silva or Saba into the middle as a 10? Do you add another central midfielder in a Santiago Sosa, a Jay Fortune, and go with three central midfielders to clog up the middle against that talented Columbus attack? Do you go with a second forward in Jamal Tiare, who I thought has looked good off the bench for Atlanta United? Does he come in to start the game playing underneath Yorgos Yakamakis? All of those are possible, and they're all very, very different in terms of what that does to Columbus and how they react. So while Wilfred Nancy is happy to not face Tiago Almada in Game 1, he has to now prepare for multiple options from Gonzalo Pineda. You could go 5-3-2 as well. You could go 5-4-1, 3-4-3. You could do that as well. Everything's on the table now in terms of tactics for Atlanta. How does Gonzalo Pineda choose to attack Columbus? It's going to be fascinating. We'll talk more about it next week. Coming up next, we're going to get ready for the wildcard matches this week in Major League Soccer. Charlotte heading up to the Red Bulls, Kansas City hosting San Jose. We'll talk about that and more coming up next on Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, The Game and the Odyssey app. Playoffs are upon us almost. They get started tomorrow in Major League Soccer with the wild card round. Decision day, look, it did disappoint. And even from the Atlanta perspective, with not really knowing where the drama was going to be and how dramatic it would be, it got pretty dramatic. And and we got our money's worth with decision day. Charlotte, the New York Red Bulls, they got their money's worth with Decision Day. Charlotte getting the early goal against Miami and Lionel Messi, who started, by the way, and played on artificial turf. And I know there were pearls that were clutched worldwide when that happened, and especially from some folks here who were 
adamant that Lionel Messi would not play on an artificial surface. Hmm. Anyway, uh, he had his opportunities. He had a couple of really good opportunities for Miami, but Christian Kalina with a few ridiculous saves in this game. And Charlotte, for the first time in a long time, was able to make a lead hold up. This is the team that has dropped more points from winning positions than any team in Major League Soccer in 2023. And when I saw them go into the lead as early as they did, I was a little concerned, I'm not going to lie, that it would not last. Well, it did. Now, for the longest time, Charlotte was in line to host the wild card match on Wednesday because of the other results in the Eastern Conference. Montreal had started out well in Columbus. Columbus came back. They had the lead. Looked like that game was going to finish the way that it did for quite a while. But the Red Bulls were scoreless with Nashville, in Nashville. And it didn't really sound like the Red Bulls were going to find that breakthrough. And their postseason streak was going to end at 13 straight years. Well... You get a late penalty, and John Tolkien converts, and then everything flips on its head. That means Montreal, whose game had already finished, and their coaches and their players are watching what's happening in Nashville on tablets. They have to watch after they finish their game and think that they have another a wild card game coming up. They have to watch their season come to an end miles and miles away. That's... That's gut-wrenching. That, that's just the worst way to go out. And it took a home game away from Charlotte. Just think about this if you're in the MLS offices. If it's Charlotte and it is Montreal on Wednesday in Charlotte, even on a uh, quick turnaround to sell tickets, you're going to have – I think you're going to have between forty and 50,000 in the building. I think that's realistic. Even if you have more than 30,000 in the building, that's great. That's amazing for a quick, quick turn to that game. First playoff game in club history. Amazing stories. Instead, the Red Bulls are going to host that game. And I would be surprised if there are more than 12,000 in the building at Red Bull Arena. And, and I hate that that's the case. And it's a shame. And I, I don't really know how to fix it at this point because it doesn't seem like the club is all that interested in it. So if you're the MLS office and you're watching all this play out and you're like, all right, great, this is how we're going to kick the postseason off. Tens of thousands of fans in Charlotte, excitement, big-time stories, great visuals. Oh, okay. We still get Charlotte, but they have to go to Red Bull Arena now, and we're going to have a lot of empty seats. That's not good. I don't think there's going to be empty seats in Kansas City as Sporting Kansas City came all the way back after an awful start to the season, crazy injuries last year, they lingered into this year. Peter Vermes told all the haters that he didn't want to hear it anymore because he got this team into the postseason, and they will host the wild card match on Wednesday at 9.30 against San Jose. So Red Bull Charlotte, 7.30 kick, Apple TV MLS season pass. Same for Apple TV MLS season pass, 9.30 kick for Kansas City and San Jose. Now, next up on the playoffs, it gets going on Saturday. Philadelphia hosting New England. That is a 5 o'clock kick. A, a long portion of the day on decision day, Atlanta United was going to face Philadelphia. And I said going in, and, and we all talked about it as we're getting ready for this game about who you want to see and who you don't want to see and what you expect you're going to see. I was pretty much resigned to the fact that it would be Atlanta and Philadelphia. And honestly, I didn't mind that because I thought the emotion of the um, questionable and interesting decisions that were made in Chester, PA, a few weeks ago, I thought that would give Atlanta a lot of motivation going into a game one on the road in the postseason. Well, um, things changed, and it ended up being – Columbus as Atlanta's opponent. So Philadelphia gets New England here. I don't know what to make of New England at this point. I really don't. This is a team in New England that obviously has a lot of talent. There's no question about that. But they are on their second interim manager after the very strange 
ultimately a resignation of Bruce Arena, but before that it was a long administrative leave and, and just confusing. But they got up off the mat, and after three straight losses, they hosted Philadelphia and beat Philadelphia 2-1. Gustavo Bo had himself a day. Carlos Eel is the kind of player that can win a match for you. Now, the thing about the Revs is they don't have George Petrovic anymore in terms of a goalkeeper who can win a match for you. Josh Jackson has been the guy coming up from New England Revolution, too. Had a really good year there for the second team in MLS Next Pro. Tomas Chankalai has been a really nice addition for the New England Revolution to go along with that attack of heel and bow. The Revs can beat Philadelphia, and I just don't know if they're back-back or if they got up for one big game here. Is that going to give them enough momentum to face a Philadelphia team that is, frankly, tired and worn out? And I don't know if they've got the energy and just the the mental energy to deal with this postseason if they get put under pressure by that New England attack. An upset in that series would not sh- would not shock me at all. We'll see how it goes. It starts things on Saturday at five o'clock. Uh, 8 o'clock Saturday, LAFC hosting Vancouver. LAFC has looked really good at times this year. They've also looked very ordinary at times this year. Uh, they have the Golden Boot winner in Denny Boanga. They have the last MLS Cup trophy in the trophy case. This is the defending champion. This is a team that is incredibly strong. They, they lost in the CONCACAF Champions League final this year. And it was kind of there that it felt like the wheels, I don't know if they if they completely came off for LAFC, but they definitely came uh, unbolted a little bit, got a little wobbly. You know, the, the bolt got unscrewed just a bit for LAFC, and that, that wheel was wobbling at times. And I, I don't know if they've completely fixed it. They're facing the Vancouver Whitecaps, which is a team that, it's easy to forget this year how good Vancouver has been. They fly under the radar, especially for those of us in, in the Eastern Conference. It's a team that finished 13th in the overall table. It's a team that does have a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde in them, but it's a team that finished the year five straight without a loss. Now, four of those were draws. That would get you to a, a penalty shootout in the postseason. They beat St. Louis and beat them handily at BC Place. Can Vancouver ride Brian White up top, one of the best goal scorers in the league this year, and Ryan Gauld, who is a best 11 candidate, can they ride that to an upset here? Yes, they can. I think we're going to learn a lot about how they handle the postseason in the first 30 minutes in L.A. on Saturday night. If they can hang in that first 30 and, and grow from that, Vancouver could pull the upset. I don't think they do. I, I, I think LAFC is just too good for them. But Vancouver's a tricky team, and if Ryan Gold is on one, they can do some damage. Houston and RSL on Sunday at 6 o'clock. I think Houston is a dark horse to make a run. I really do, and it's not purely because of what they did in the Open Cup final, although that's part of it. This is a good team. This is a really good Houston team. Uh, I had a vote for the MLS postseason awards, and I maybe kind of controversially, I don't know, I don't think it should be, I voted for Ben Olsen as the coach of the year because I think what he has done in Houston this season is more impressive than a great year for Pat Noonan with Cincinnati after they had a good year last year. Uh, a, a very, very good year for Bradley Carnell, winning the Western Conference in a little bit of a down year for the West. I think what Olsen did making this Houston team what they are, and I know the Open Cup doesn't fit into the voting for MLS Coach of the Year, but you look at what they have done since losing in Charlotte on August 7th. They demolished Portland in MLS 5-0. They beat RSL after extra time in the Open Cup semifinal 3-1. They then beat Salt Lake in Salt Lake 3-0 in league play. They beat Columbus in Houston 2-0. They drew with the Galaxy, scoreless draw. And then they've only lost one game since that. They lost in Kansas City on September 23rd. 
They drew at home to St. Louis. They demolished Vancouver in Houston. They beat Miami on the road in the Open Cup final. Draw at home to Dallas. Draw at home in Montreal. But then two straight wins to finish it out. They beat Colorado at home. You expect them to do that. And then they went to Portland and wrecked Portland's season, knocked them out of the postseason 3-1 on decision day. I think Houston is a team that, especially with their success over RSL, I think Houston's a team to watch. I think they get through this first-round series in two games, and I think they're a team that could make a deep run in the Western Conference. They're dangerous. Uh, Cincinnati will play the winner of the wild card on Sunday at 8 o'clock. Um, Cincinnati's going to be favored. They're, there's no way around that. They should be. I think they're a good team, and I think they'll get through the first round, and I want to see what it looks like after that. And then Sunday at 10, St. Louis will play the winner of the Western Conference wild card. I really want to see how St. Louis looks when you get to the stage of the season. They've been very good, but they have also not been, I think, as dominant since they were at the very, very beginning of the year, or maybe they caught teams by surprise. Postseason, and we've seen it over the years with all of the press-based teams, you're going to have to play with the ball at your feet at times because teams are going to make you. In postseason, when your season's on the line, teams will just say, here, St. Louis, have the ball. Let's see what you can do with it because you haven't shown the ability to dominate games with the ball. You're going to have to beat us with the ball. Let's see what you got. We'll see what they've got because I'm not 100% sure of what they've got. And if you get St. Louis and Kansas City, which would be the expected matchup, that's a that's a little rivalry that has already brewed up here very quickly in year one of it. I would love to see a playoff series over three games between St. Louis and Kansas City because I think it'd go the full three games. St. Louis is the better team. They should get through. But, man, Peter Vermes would love to ruin some people's brackets, wouldn't he? Uh, Monday, Orlando hosting Nashville. Nashville has been all over the place late in the season. They've struggled to get goals outside of that win over the New England Revolution. I think they are going to defend for their lives. Something they're very good at. Is it enough to get past Orlando? I don't think it is. Is it enough to frustrate Orlando and maybe take it to a third game? I could see that. I really could. Um, Just because Nashville's very good at doing that in postseason soccer, sitting back deep and just making teams get frustrated. And Orlando's a team that has shown the ability to get frustrated at times, and they're going to have to manage their emotions in the postseason. Uh, the other game in the West, Seattle and Dallas, that series starts on Monday at 9 o'clock. I think Seattle will take care of business. Um, Dallas has been too inconsistent for me this year. They have the the players and the level to give Seattle a challenge. They're going to have to make Seattle run. It's an old Sounders team. And you're going to have to try to beat them, in my opinion, with pace, with energy, with the physicality of things. I don't know if Dallas can truly do that. I think Seattle gets it done and they advance. And then, saving the best for last, right? Wednesday, November 1st, Columbus hosting Atlanta United. No Tiago Almada. But like I said at the end of the first segment, that does open the door for some very interesting decisions to be made by Gonzalo Pineda. And maybe... Pulling a rabbit out of the hat to surprise Wilfred Nancy with that lineup choice. Can't wait to see it. All right, coming up next, final segment of the show, the 3-4-3, three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. That's coming up next in five on AST on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. Three, four. Three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, the game, and the Odyssey app. You know what time it is. It's the last segment of the show. It is the 343, three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Atlanta soccer tonight always ends with the 343, and let's get rolling on it. Three local stories. Let's start with number one. The University of Georgia, their women's soccer team won the Eastern Division of the Southeastern Conference for the first time in program history. A 1-0 win at home over number 22, Kentucky, last Thursday. However, they lost the number 17, South Carolina, on the road on Sunday, showing the competitiveness in this SEC women's soccer season in 2023. Georgia hosts Auburn in the regular season finale in Athens on Thursday. Number two on the local side. Both local amateur teams attempting to qualify for the 2024 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. They were eliminated in the next-to-last qualifying round over the weekend. KSA Pro Profile of the UPSL Georgia Premier Division, they lost at home to Tennessee Tempo from the Nashville area, while Majestic SC lost on the road to South Carolina United Heat over in Columbia, South Carolina. Number three on the local side, this is also kind of a link to the Open Cup for 2024, Apotheos FC of the NPSL. They will be moving and playing their games at Silverbacks Park in 2024. Now, part of their 2024 season will also include the first round of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. They got into that due to their league finish from last season, which saw Apotheos go all the way to the national championship game in the NPSL in the summer. They will be loading up that squad to get ready for the Open Cup starting in March of 2024. And the regular season games are going to be at Silverbacks Park. I'm assuming the Open Cup match will be at Silverbacks Park as well. First time that the park has hosted an Open Cup match since the Silverbacks of the NPSL after the pro team disbanded uh, quite a few years ago at this point. Four headlines, mostly from the domestic area, although we get around the world a little bit here. Number one, MLS player movement in the offseason. It's already starting to bubble up as teams' seasons have come to an end. There's also reports about players who do have a few more games left with their current club that won't be their current club anymore after this season. Let's start out in Los Angeles. Douglas Costa leaving the Galaxy as a DP. Struggled to stay healthy. He was impactful when he was healthy. He was impactful in moments for the Galaxy. He did not live up to the investment that they put into him. The Galaxy have a really difficult decision coming up on Chicharito as well. There are reports that he is out of contract at the end of the year. Uh, those have not been confirmed. He tore his ACL in June. He's 35 years old. I'm not sure where his recovery is at this point. I'm not sure when he would be expected to be able to play. I can't imagine it would be at the beginning of preseason. I don't know what the deal is going to be with Chicharito. Is it a little bit of a wait and see where they'll sign him to a new deal if he shows he's able to go? 
Do they not? And he has to go find another club and figure out what's next for him. Or, I mean, is he under contract? And we just don't know about it yet. These are the some of the difficulties at times in talking about MLS and rosters and contracts where we literally don't know if the man's under contract for next season and people reporting on it don't know either. So I don't know what to tell you. I would hate to see Chicharito's career end this way. Um, I think it was a great signing for the league. I don't think it always paid off. Injuries were a huge reason for that, but he brought a lot of eyeballs, a lot of attention. He is still a giant figure when it comes to Mexican soccer fans, and I would love to see him get healthy and have one more run of it, whether that's with the Galaxy or maybe with Chivas de Guadalajara, his original club. That would be quite the storybook ending to an incredible career for Chicharito. Diego Rubio from the Colorado Rapids, he said his goodbyes to the, the fans of the club on social media. Not a big surprise. I mean, the Rapids need to hit a pretty heavy reset button. We'll see if they do. Rubio has been good. I wonder what the market is for him. I wonder if he's going to find another club in Major League Soccer or go elsewhere. I think he's been a good player. I think he would be an interesting player in the sense that in Colorado, he has had to be the man at times on that team. And I don't know if he's quite at that level. If Rubio was a supporting member of an attack of a good team, I think he could thrive. And Diego Rubio would be a very interesting addition for some teams around MLS. Kai Kamara, another interesting addition, although he seems to be on the MLS tour trying to play for every team before his career ends. He says he isn't retiring, but he's not coming back to the Chicago Fire. Where is he not played yet? Because it feels like there are not that many teams that can say Kai Kamara has not been part of their roster at some point. And where does he fit? I don't know. It feels like at this point in Kai Kamara's career, one, the honeymoon period is very short, and it feels like there are issues off the field somewhat quickly with him. And two, is he at that stage where he's you know a good player for a bad team can he be anything more than that? Would he accept being anything more than that? Being a role player on a really good team and coming off the bench? I don't know if he'd be comfortable in that, to be honest, even though that might be the best fit for him at this point. And the last one's a big one. Nicholas Ladero announces he will not return to the Seattle Sounders. Ladero is possibly the best signing in Sounders history, and a lot of people would argue that he is. Um just an incredible leader, an incredible player. His versatility has been huge for the Sounders. He's still got, I think, contributions in him. And Nicholas Ladero, if he wants to stay in Major League Soccer, I would assume that there's quite a few options for where that could be. I would assume that he has lots of connections to people in decision-making positions in Major League Soccer, whether you're talking about presidents and CEOs and or managers. Just saying. There's a couple of those here in Atlanta. Uh, Ladero would, is another one. That, that question that I just had about Kai Kamara, would Ladero accept being a supporting cast member with a really good ensemble cast? Or does he still want to be the guy? He's borderline, still has the ability to be the guy. But can he prolong his career by an extra year or two by being a supporting member of a really good team. I'd love to see him make that transition. And I think Ladero could be a really good fit in a bunch of different places in Major League Soccer, honestly, all over South America as well. And I think he will have options. I really do. I think Ladero is going to be an interesting one to follow in the offseason. Number two on the headlines, John Harks leaving the Greenville Triumph. He is the head coach. He's the sporting director for the Triumph. He has been that since day one when the club started. He announced that he will not seek a renewal of his contract after five years with the club. Harks is the winningest coach in USL League One history. He won the 2020 league title, made the playoffs every year, three straight league championship matches. His contract runs through the end of December, and he's going to stay on to assist in staff and player transition as the team starts to get ready for 2024. That's a huge element here because you have a lot of contracts that are year by year 
in USL League One. So to have that continuity in making those decisions, very, very important, sets up the next manager for success as well. Greenville also recently announced that they will be returning to Furman's Paladin Stadium for a second straight year in 2024 as they continue to work on securing a location and plan for a permanent stadium. That's the key to success in any level of soccer in the world, but especially in the United States, and I think even more so at the lower division levels. We've seen the San Diego Loyal shut up shop after getting knocked out of the postseason. The Loyal never were able to get over that hurdle in finding a stadium location and and a training facility, and rental costs will break you over a period of time, and then you're not able to maximize your revenue coming in. You're limited in selling sponsorships. All kinds of things factor into that. For Greenville, getting their own stadium solution, it's essential, and they are working towards that, and I wish the Irwins and everybody with Greenville a ton of success in that process because it's not easy. And best of luck to John Harks. And if you're looking at managers potentially making the move into MLS for next year, and we know there's a lot of clubs that are going to have vacancies, John Harks should be considered, and I hope that he is. Number three on the headlines, Argentina's next home World Cup qualifier will be against Uruguay on November 16th. The pitch is being replaced at El Monumental, River Plate's home stadium. So the match will instead be at La Bombonera, home of Boca Juniors. This will be the first time that Argentina receives Marcelo Bielsa in a long time since his stint managing the Chilean national team. And it's the first time they'll see Bielsa and this Uruguayan team that is very, very strong. Bielsa's done a great job in rebuilding the Uruguayan program really quickly. And that match will be a must-see. November 16th, Argentina, Uruguay, La Bombonera. Number four on the headlines, Anj Postacoglu. He has Tottenham Hotspur at the top of the table in the Premier League after their 2-0 win over Fulham yesterday. Tons of talk coming into the year about Harry Kane leaving, but Postacoglu's impact on this team was severely underrated coming into the season. Sun Hung Min and James Madison, they have been great in the attack. It's also going to help this team that they're not playing in Europe. The squad isn't as deep as some of the other title challengers, but Tottenham's going to play fewer matches. They're not going to have those midweek games. They're not going to have those long trips to Eastern Europe and those late nights on a Thursday in the Europa League like Liverpool. That will help Tottenham. This is a good team. And Anj Postacoglu is a great manager, and I think he deserved more respect walking in the door. What he did at Celtic was incredibly impressive. What he has done through his career is very impressive. And you're at a stage right now in the Premier League, it's a lot of fun if you're a coaching nerd. If you just want to follow interesting, I think really innovative managers, follow the Premier League and follow Postacoglu and what he's doing at Tottenham. Follow up Pep Guardiola, obviously, at Manchester City. He's he's the GOAT. Roberto De Zerbi at Brighton. Mikel Arteta at Arsenal is one of the best managers in the world. Jurgen Klopp, of course, at Liverpool. Unai Emery at Aston Villa, a very, very good manager. Eric Ten Hag at Manchester United. I think when he walked in the door, the expectation was that he would be one of the top managers in the Premier League. The issues at Manchester United run a little bit deeper than even Ten Hag can deal with. But he is a very good tactician. Lots of interesting managers in the Premier League. And right now, they are led by Anj Postacoglu and Tottenham Hotspur. All right, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. I'm going to start with number one, the regrowth of the after-school programs from the Georgia Revolution and the Southern Crescent Soccer Foundation. This is a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, and it is in my former home county of Henry County, where I went to high school at Eagles Landing. This was a program that got started before the pandemic, and it was really seeing a ton of growth with elementary schools requesting soccer programming. The pandemic obviously shut a lot of that down, and it's taken a little bit of time to get going again, but it is starting to thrive once again in Henry County. 
just seeing the kids earn a jersey and earn a Georgia Revolution jersey, that's so cool. I mean, when I was a kid and I was falling in love with the game, I didn't have a team to earn a jersey from. That's such a cool thing to me. Providing kids with the opportunity to learn soccer at school at a young age, it is a huge step to growing the overall footprint of soccer in the community. I love seeing what the Revs and Southern Crescent Soccer Foundation are doing in Henry County. Number two on the things that make me smile, Ronaldo Cisneros and his Chilena for Chivas over the weekend. What a goal for Cisneros, a a guy that I really respected and appreciated for his performances last year for Atlanta United. The guy just never stopped running. He's such a hard worker. I'm glad to see that it's working out for him at Chivas this time around, and I hope it continues. He is one of the good guys, and it was a great goal for Chivas and Ronaldo Cisneros. And number three on things that make me smile, the playoffs, playoff soccer. And you can take this over to the college side as well with conference tournament soccer. It's just different. The intensity is at another level. The drama, the storylines, these are the reasons why we love this game. It's the reasons why we invest our time. It's the reasons why we get so worked up about it. The playoffs are an amazing time of year, and hopefully for Atlanta United and all the other local teams that are going into tournament play, hopefully it is a long ride of playoff soccer in this area for the rest of 2023. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Tomorrow, stoppage time, 2 o'clock, 92.9 game Facebook page. And then next Tuesday, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live from Columbus, Ohio, on the eve of the postseason for Atlanta United. Adios, everybody. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 